Hallelujah. You ready for the word? You don't seem excited like you're ready for the word. Are you ready for the word? You're still coming. Are you ready for the word? Hallelujah. So, um, we want to um, speak on the resurrection of Christ. The resurrection of Christ. The resurrection of Christ. In Philippians chapter 3, the verse 10, Apostle Paul said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. The power of his resurrection. The power of his resurrection. So Paul did not just want to know Jesus. He wanted to know the power of his resurrection. That means there is power in the resurrection of Jesus Christ that every believer should know. By the end of this teaching, we are going to understand that there was no salvation if there had not been resurrection. If you read the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15 from the verse 1 to 4, where Paul explains the gospel. He says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received wherein ye stand. Then he says, By which also ye are saved. That means we are saved by this gospel he's about to explain. If ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. Then he says, For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. So we understand that the gospel is first of all about the death of Jesus Christ. Then the next verse says, And that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Now, when you read according to the scriptures, you will notice that We've said over and over that anytime you normally see scriptures in the New Testament, it is referring to what? The Old Testament. Meaning, when you study the Old Testament books, which is from Genesis to Malachi, you will note that there are evidences that Jesus Christ was prophesied that he was going to be raised from the dead. And that he was raised from the dead on the third day according to the scriptures. Hallelujah. You know, when Jesus was born, wise men from the east came to visit him. Many people say three wise men. They were not three wise men. We call them three wise men because of the three gifts they presented. But actually, they were more than three. They were wise men from the east. I wish I had time to explain that. But the gifts they brought to Jesus was a prophetic symbol of something Jesus was going to accomplish. The first gift they gave to Jesus was what we call gold. The second was myrrh. The third was frankincense. Now we've explained that gold is um, a divine element. Gold is very expensive. No one can create gold. You can only discover gold. So we said gold is something which is divine. That's how come you have to excavate. You have to dig before you get gold signifying that no one can create God you can only discover God it means that God is deep so gold signifies the divine things it was to explain how Jesus Christ was God he was divine man actually means tearful affliction 
tearful affliction. Myrrh was believed to contain a certain element that was used to embalm dead bodies. So the man that was presented to Jesus was to remind Jesus that he was going to go through pain, suffering, and die for man. So many of you think that gifts given to Jesus was to just celebrate him. It was a communication that was being given to this man that was born. So God signifies he is God. Man signifies he was going to die for men. Frank essence is bent and it arises up to the heavens. Signifying his resurrection and how God was going to accept his offering as a sweet smelling offering. So the gold, the man, Frank incense, was to picture that Jesus is God. He is man to die for us on the third day. He was going to rise from the dead. And his offering will be sweet to the smell of God. Now, if you read the, the book of John carefully, you're going to realize there were seven I amness of God that God, through Jesus Christ, communicated. The seven I amnesses of God. Jesus in John chapter 6 verse 35 said I am the bread of life surprisingly he said that immediately he fed Israel with bread when they were hungry in John chapter 8 verse 12 he said I am the light of the world not long after he had healed a blind man in John chapter 10 verse 9 Jesus said I am the door in John chapter 10 the verse 11 Jesus said I am the good shepherd in John chapter 14 the verse 6 Jesus said I am the way the truth and the life then finally in John chapter 15 the verse 5 last but not the least the true vine John 15 5 says I am the true vine we I'm talking of the seven I amnesses of God then finally in John chapter 11 the verse 20 to 26 and 33 Jesus said I am the resurrection and the life I am the resurrection and the life now Jesus said that when he was just about to raise Lazarus from the dead so anytime Jesus proclaimed any I amness of himself it was after he had performed a miracle in relation to that revelation that he communicates it to us for us to see that in opening the eyes of a blind man his plan was to be the light to shine upon our eyes in feeding 5,000 and over with bread, he says, I am the bread to picture that he is the one that feeds the soul of every man that is hungry for salvation. So likewise, we see that Jesus, when he was just about to raise Lazarus, said, I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus did not say, I am a resurrection. He says, I am the resurrection. Now, you need to note that Jesus Christ did not say he's the resurrection when he died. Jesus did not say, I am the resurrection when he was raised from the dead. When Jesus said, I am the resurrection, he was still alive. Meaning, the resurrection is not an event. The resurrection is a person.
I am resurrection. So it was not an event. The event of the resurrection was a proof that what he truly said he is, he is. So if Jesus Christ is the resurrection long before he died to be raised, that tells you that Jesus rising from the dead was not for himself. Jesus rising from the dead was not for himself. Jesus rising from the dead was for you. Right from the Old Testament, we see, we see pictorials. We see adumbrations and harbingers of Jesus Christ being raised from the dead. On Friday and Saturday, we, we began to see how the death of Jesus Christ were pictured in Old Testament books. We can also see because the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 4 that Jesus was raised from the dead on the third day according to the scriptures. So Genesis to Malachi gives an account of the resurrection of Jesus Christ long before he came to die. You'll be surprised that on the tenth day of creation, you can go and check your Bible. Something happened. Remember in Genesis 1, 1, the Bible says, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form, and was void, and darkness covered the face of the deep. There was chaos. That deep, there was deep waters. So it was believed that there was chaos after creation. On the third day, remember the whole earth was in water because of chaos. On the third day, guess what God did? God separated the earth from the waters. That means he lifted up the earth from the waters on the third day and called that earth dry land. And called those waters the seas. He did that exactly on the third day. In the Bible, abundance of water signifies death. So it was the abundance of flood that brought death in Noah's time. In the Bible, ground or dust signifies the human body. So on the third day, God separated the earth from the waters by lifting the earth from the waters. Which was to represent the body of Jesus Christ because it came from dust. Which was to picture that on the third day, after Jesus died, God was going to raise his son back from the dead. And the moment the earth was raised from, from the waters, the Bible says, grass, new life began to grow. When Jesus Christ was raised, we are the grass that grew out of him with new life. And this was in the Bible testifying that Jesus Christ was going to be raised from the dead. Hallelujah. I shared with you about Noah's story and how Noah pointed to Jesus Christ. Remember we said the word ark there in Hebrew is teba which means coffin. So the ark in itself was to picture the death of Jesus Christ to bring salvation. Any man that was in the ark was saved from judgment. Any man that is in Christ is saved from judgment. Are you seeing that? So now we said that judgment waters affected or touched the ark and lifted the ark. We said our judgment, which was supposed to come upon us, came to Jesus and lifted him up on the cross. 
when the judgment waters was over the bible says the mountain the, the, the ark rested on the mount called Ar Arat which was to picture the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the bible says God remembered Noah and sent wind remember God remembered Jesus in the grave and sent the spirit so the spirit did the quickening and dried up the waters it was the Holy Ghost that raised Jesus Christ from the dead and surprisingly the Bible says the ark rested upon Mount Ararat on the 17th day of the 7th month the 17th day of the 7th month this was over 4,000 years before Jesus came the 17th day of the 7th month now in a Jewish celebration of the Passover the Passover lamb died on the 14th day of the 7th month when you add 3 to the 14 what does it make? 17 so Jesus died on the 14th he was raised on the 17th day of the 7th month the very day the ark rested on Mount Ararat was the very day Jesus was raised from the dead God makes no mistakes in scripture hallelujah we saw also about the story of Noah of Jonah and we said that Jonah was in the belly of the whale but actually in Matthew chapter 12 the verse 40 it was beyond the whale Jesus said for as Jonah was three days and three nights in the in the whale's belly so shall the son of man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth which was in hell Jesus went to hell the belly of the whale was a type of hell on the third day God commanded the fish to vomit Jonah out which was a picture that on the third day God commanded hell to vomit Jesus which was his resurrection so we see the resurrection again we saw how God told Isaac God told Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac which was to picture the death of Jesus Christ as he's going to be the sacrifice for man and when Abraham was about to kill his son, God said, don't do that again. Now I know that you fear me. When Isaac came up from that altar, it was a type of his resurrection. Because by faith, when he tried killing him, God took that attempt or that act as actually he doing it. And that day, Abraham received his son back on the third day. Exactly. Because it was a three days journey exactly on the third day God received his son back because Isaac was the type of Jesus Christ I spoke to you about the seven festivals of Israel they have seven festivals the first festival was the Passover the Passover lamb died lamb was killed the blood of the lamb was applied on the doorpost for their salvation so on the Passover celebration it was to, it was to commemorate the death of the lamb which was to picture the death of Jesus the second was a feast of unleavened bread where bread was supposed to be baked without living in it or yeast in the bible living signifies sin so if bread without unleavened points to jesus it was to picture that jesus christ was the bread without sin he had no sin in him surprisingly the third festival was the feast of first fruit when they grow crops, the first crops that are to be harvested became the first fruit that were supposed to be given in sacrifice to God. When you read the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, you can open your Bibles there. There was no coincidence at all. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the verse 20. 
Watch that. The Bible says, but now Christ is risen from the dead and become what? The first fruit of them that sleep. The first fruit. So Jesus fulfills the feast of the first fruit because he rose from the dead. Then we had the, the feast of Pentecost, which was the day the Holy Ghost was given. To picture that now that Jesus is raised from the dead, now the Holy Ghost has been sent down on earth. Hallelujah. We see the story of even Lazarus and how Lazarus died and Jesus Christ deliberately waited for four days before he came to raise him. And when he came, he said, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus came out from the grave. Jesus was communicating something to us. Why did Jesus wait four days? You'll be shocked to know that between the time Adam sinned and the time Jesus came was 4,000 years. And the Bible says a day unto the Lord is like a thousand years. And a thousand years unto the Lord is like a day. Jesus waited four days before he came. A day unto the Lord is like what? A thousand years. So four times thousand is what? Thousand, four thousand years. So the waiting of four days was a picture of the four thousand years God waited before he came to redeem man from the grave. Lazarus means the one who God helps. We have no helper. We have to be helped by God. And just like Lazarus died, we died spiritually. And Jesus came and says, Lazarus, come forth. Jesus came and by his death and resurrection, we came forth from the grave. And today we are alive. He quickened us from spiritual death. Shout to someone and say, I am alive. Amen. Hallelujah. Now we need to understand that before Jesus came, no one resurrected from the dead. Before Jesus Christ came, no one, no human resurrected from the dead. I know you'll be shocked because you're going to give me different accounts and stories. And there's a man of God, even Lazarus, which you just mentioned, even was resurrected from the dead. No, 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 no. There is a difference between resurrection and resuscitation. Before Jesus came, any man that died and came alive was not resurrected. He was resuscitated. Resuscitation is the return of the soul back into the body. How do I know? Because all the people that came back again died again. So no one was ever resurrected from the dead. You know why? Because when you are resurrected from the dead, you don't die again. And Jesus was the first to be resurrected from the dead. The first fruit of resurrection. And that is why when we believe Jesus Christ, guess what? We don't die again. And I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking now. Man of God, I just have 50 years more. That's not the death I'm talking about. There's a greater death, death beyond this death. This physical death is just some few years. But there is an eternal death. Which is but for many years. Muhammad Ali says, go to the desert. Fetch a grain of sand. Or fetch a, a, a hand full of sand. He said, that sand you hold in your hands is your life in the physical. The whole sand in the desert is your life in eternity. 
Meaning that life in eternity is more than life in the flesh. So when God is giving a man resurrection, that resurrection must be spiritual. When God raises and quickens a man from the dead, that man dies no more. When you are in Christ Jesus, you die no more. Physical death is only a transition. Many of you don't know that when you die physically, it's a planting of a seed. Your life has been planted. You will germinate. Jesus will give you a new body. So actually in the New Testament, believers don't die. Go and check your Bible. Believers sleep. Check First Thessalonians chapter 4. The verse 14. He says, For we believe that Jesus Christ died and rose again, even so them which what sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. In the New Testament, believers sleep. And God will wake him up when Jesus appears. Hallelujah. Now, you, you, you need to understand that this thing called resurrection is a serious matter. Because when you take resurrection out of the gospel, there is no gospel. It is no news that someone died. If you hear someone is dead, is it news? Because human beings will eventually die. It is only news because you may not see them again. But it's not a shock. Do you need to have faith because someone died? You don't necessarily need to have faith because someone died because people die. But for someone to rise up from the dead by himself, you will need faith to believe. That is why theologians who don't believe in Christ believe he died. Because even... People from other religions believe that Jesus died. But believing Jesus died does not save you. You can go and check the scriptures. If someone says, I believe Jesus died, everybody dies. It is not news. I can say, Pastor Sikapa dies, right? I can say that. I, I, I don't need to have faith. If you read Romans chapter 10, the verse 9, you realize that it is not actually believing that Jesus died that saves a man. The Bible says, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God did what? Raise Jesus from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Meaning, it will take faith for you to believe that someone died and rose up by himself. So it is in believing that God raised his son Jesus from the dead that a man can be saved. If you don't believe that God raised his son from the dead, you can't be saved. Why? Because it is in his resurrection that you find your resurrection from dead. So if you don't believe, how can you rise? So guess what? The devil has been trying so hard to fight the revelation of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He won't believe that. Because when we lose the potency of the reality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, listen, we lose our faith. 
How do I know? Look at the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It is in resurrection that holds the key to Christianity. When we lose the reality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we lose the potency of the Christian faith. Look at the verse 12. The Bible says, Now if Christ be preached, look, that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? This is Paul's rebuke. Because people were teaching falsely that there is no resurrection from the dead. But guess what? Do you know in the whole Bible, 10 people were raised from the dead? God deliberately allowed the accounts of 10 people to be raised from the dead or resuscitated from the dead for someone to get an idea that it's possible for a man to come back alive from dead. So the, the physical death of men who came back to life again was only a testimony of the spiritual resurrection that came through Jesus Christ. So if you don't believe that a man can rise from the dead, look at the 10 people that resuscitated from the dead again. Are you following this thing? Now look. He says, now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how says some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? Look at Paul's argument in the next verse. He says, but uh, 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 let's read together. Please read loudly. One, two, go. But if there be no resurrection, I'm not hearing you, of the dead, then Christ is not risen. Next verse. Let's read together. One, two, go loudly. And if Christ be not risen, then our preaching is vain. And your faith is also vain. So if Christ did not really rise from the dead, preaching and faith is what? Empty. And here's a serious matter. Look at the verse 15. He says, Yea, and we have found what? False witnesses of God. Because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. Next verse. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ what? Raised. Next verse. We are going to read this together. This is where your faith holds now. One, two, loudly. Go. And if Christ be not... It's a serious matter. If Christ did not rise from the dead, your faith is vain and you are still in your sins. That is why I said, until a man believes that God raised Jesus from the dead, that man is still in his sins. Lift your hands. Say, I believe that God raised Jesus from the dead. I believe that God raised Jesus from the dead. Not for himself, but for me. Glory. <laughs> I love this thing. I love this thing. Are you getting this thing? I love the word of God. These truths will establish you. No one will deceive you. 
So, can you imagine that over history, there were theories that were designed, concocted by the devil to stop the spread of understanding of the resurrection of Jesus. You'll you be shocked. Theories that were propounded just to combat and fight. And surprisingly, all those theories did not work. Because the evidence that even Jesus rose from the dead is you and I. Look at how your life is now. Look at the tongues you are speaking. You are speaking ballistic tongues. That tongue alone is enough that Jesus rose. How dare you speak a language nobody sat down to teach you? And surprisingly, you don't understand, but because your spirit is alive. And surprisingly, speaking in tongues is actually speaking the language of heaven because this earthly body has a language. Three, English, Ga, Latin, French. Now, your heavenly country also has a language. Only your spirit knows how to speak it. And the reason why you echo it is because what? You are alive! Listen, speaking in tongues is a right. I love the word of God, man. I love it. I love the word. I love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. So, there were false theories that were, that were concocted against the resurrection of Jesus. The first theory, you'll be shocked, is called what we call, what we call the swoon theory. Swoon theory. S-W-O-O-N. Swoon theory. If I don't spell it, the things people will write down. Swoon theory. Now, the swoon theory was concocted that Jesus Christ never died. He left the tomb on his own power. Or he may have fainted. Or gone into coma and later recovered. Can you imagine? It was concocted those times. So they said Jesus Christ didn't die. Because of the pain he went through, he collapsed. Later entered into a coma. When they put him in the tomb, he later got out and was limping. Can you imagine? that they found Jesus on the road to Emmaus and he spoke to them, which was seven miles from the tomb. How does a man who is limping, who has been whipped, a soldier used a spear to pierce his side to confirm he is dead. How can he limp seven miles? It was concocted to fight against the reality that Jesus rose from the dead. The second theory that was propounded was called wrong tomb theory. And surprisingly, they believed that Jesus Christ might have gone to the wrong tomb. So when they went there, they didn't find him again. That means they changed the tomb. It was a mistake. Can you imagine? A tomb that soldiers confirmed he was there and they guarded the place. Hey!
The third theory that was propounded was what we call the stolen body theory. And now you find it in the Bible. <laughs> so they argue that his body may have been stolen by the disciples. Remember that the priest said, we remember this crazy man saying that he would die and rise up on the third day. Secure Roman soldiers to the tomb so that they stand there and protect the tomb so that his disciples don't steal the body and then say he has risen from the dead. And guess what? They pay people to speak that lie. It's in the Bible. Now, how... See, the disciples were even afraid to come out. Remember, they all fled and left Jesus. So within that three days, they can't have confidence to come to the tomb. In fact, Mark fled naked. That should tell you how serious the thing was. Peter said, I, I didn't see. They asked him, ah, one small girl. He said, ah, are you not the one I saw? You were eating uh, uh, cocoa I had to do with Jesus Christ. And he said, me, Jesus. Cocoa. He's saying, I don't know Jesus. I don't know. I've not seen him. The guy said, No, no. I, I saw you. Say, Hey, fear. Missing me, name no. <laughs> so, so, so that Peter was now. He, he was in shame, weeping that he has betrayed his master. So, how does he get confidence again to go and steal his body? Moreover, they put close to hundred soldiers. At the tomb that has been sealed, though, the tomb itself has been sealed. It takes 30 men to roll the stone. The disciples were 12. And one was dead. And the seriousness of the matter is that when the Roman guards are guarding you, you are well guarded. Number one, they embalm Jesus' body with a lining cloth. That lining cloth, they put some medications around it. That made it even thick. So by the time they... Uh, the finish, you know, the Egyptian mummies, how they, they, they bind them. That's how he was bound. With the lining. And it, it weighed 100 pounds. So if you are not dead, you will die. <laughs> when they finish, for your face everywhere. That's how come the resurrection is a miracle because when Jesus rose from the dead, the embalming process is sticky, very sticky. But when he rose, he came out of it. You can get this thing. Because they find the lining, they found the lining clothes lying down. And you see, those soldiers, it was a law among the Roman soldiers that any soldier that is caught sleeping on duty will be killed immediately. Will you sleep? Obepe Tom Tom. You won't just sleep. So they run in shifts. That, see, it's a serious matter. They run in shifts. The first soldiers come to guard the place attentively. Even if you are passing by the area, they check to see who is that. And when the first shift is done, they go to sleep. When they go and sleep, they go and sleep close to where the thing is embalmed. So, even if you want to come out, your leg will hit one of them. Before you come to meet those who are guarding the place. So, Peter, no weapon. 
He only had a knife. How did I know? Because he cut someone's ear. <laughs> Nobody had weapons. These people were fishermen. You can't use fish to uh, nets to fight. They didn't have any weapon. So how can they come and come and steal a body where soldiers are guarding the thing? Are you seeing this thing is not working? Then the fourth theory that was concocted is what we call the hallucination theory. Because if you read 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the verse 5, when Jesus rose, something happened. Look, he says, when, okay, come to the verse 4 so you understand what I'm saying. He says, and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Now look, and that he was what? He was what? He was what? Seen. This was deliberate. Jesus had to show himself. He was seen of who? Cephas, that's Peter. And what? The twelve. Next verse. After that, he was seen of above. Five hundred brethren at once. This thing is, how can I explain this thing? They said, so they said the hallucination theory says that since every loved one of a dead person would wish to have their dead beloved come back, sometimes they tend to imagine through mental pictures. The desire to see the relative can result in hallucination. So when apostles and the rest of the 500 said they saw Jesus, they said, are is what made you see Jesus. Question. How does over 500 people have the same vision at once? Or have the same hallucination at once? It doesn't make sense. Surprisingly, Jesus even prepared and prepared fish and ate bread with them. Have you ever seen a spirit eating bread? And he prepared it. I'm here someone say, Jesus, we're a chef. <laughs> so, how is that possible? Showed himself to over 500 people. Hmm. Jesus truly rose from the dead. I'm telling you, he rose. Hallelujah. You can imagine because of this testimony, eh? because of this testimony of, of his resurrection, all the apostles died to prove it. All the apostles died to prove that Jesus rose. You will not, you will not find a man die for such a faith. Mm -mm. Except it is true. Paul was beheaded. It was believed blood did not come. Milk come, came. Peter was crucified upside down. Why? Because he said because he betrayed Jesus. He didn't forget that day until he died. He said because he betrayed Jesus. He doesn't deserve to be crucified the same way Jesus was crucified. So they should crucify him upside down. Andrew was also crucified. Thomas was pierced by four soldiers with a spear. Philip was tortured to death. Bartholomew was also tortured to death. James was stoned to death. 
James the less also he was pushed off a high cliff he fell when he fell he rose up he didn't die and they went down and they used a club to hit him to finish it Matthias was bent and look at all this one of them was dragged by a chariot on the ground and all his skin was removed it was only John that was placed in burning hot oil and he escaped because he had to write the book of Revelation and at that time he was past 90 so when they put him in the hot burning oil and they realized the guy couldn't die they did everything to kill him he couldn't die and they say they put him in an island called Patmos that place is called exile that place it is given to people who are useless that's the place they placed them and they went to put him there they said if you don't die that, that place you die there and that's where he wrote the book of Revelation Meaning, in the worst part of your life, God can bring glory. Ah. Hallelujah. So all these theories was concocted against Jesus Christ and his resurrection. And yet none of these held. But you see, beyond this, I'm sharing the next 20 minutes with you on the essence of his resurrection. On the essence, what does this resurrection mean to us? Because one man said history records the death of one man, but eternity records the death of the human race. He says history records the resurrection of one man, but eternity records the resurrection of the entire human race. Now a man can come back alive. So the death of Jesus and his resurrection was not for himself. So if Jesus was raised from the dead, what is that essence to us? We cannot just celebrate that Christ is alive. He's alive, so what? He's alive, so what? He's alive because the purpose of him rising from the dead was to advantage. What did that advantage give to us? Now we need to understand something. That the greatest power ever demonstrated was not the creation of the stars, the moon, the heavens and the earth. You'll be shocked. The greatest power ever demonstrated was not the parting of the Red Sea. The greatest power ever demonstrated was not when Joshua stopped the sand. The greatest power ever demonstrated was not when Elijah and all these people raised people from the dead. Mm -mm. The greatest power was not when um, God sent prophets to perform ma many miracles. The greatest power was never demonstrated in all these things. Not in the stars, not in the galaxies, not in the constellations. Not in the creation of the planets. Amazingly, Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 1, the verse 15 to the verse 18. He says, Wherefore, since I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for one another, I do not cease to make mention of you and prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And 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 what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power uh-huh which he wrought in christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places mm. look look come back to the verse 18 no, uh, 19, sorry. Look, he says, and what is the word? Listen, 
we see the demonstration of the greatness of God's power in creation. We see the exceeding greatness of the demonstration of God's power in the resurrection of Jesus. That means all the powers of heaven, all the powers of God, all the powers of deity was vested and invested in raising Jesus from the dead. That means the greatest power that was ever demonstrated was in raising Jesus. And guess what? That was the same power that raised you from the dead. You know what it means? The greatest power lives in you. Surprisingly, if you read this verse carefully, it used seven Greek words that explain everything you want to know about power. This is the only verse that used seven Greek words which all has got to do with power. How do you put every word in Greek that was of power in one verse? The word exceeding is hupabalo in the Greek, which means beyond the mark. If I give you a stone to throw to this wall and you throw it beyond it, you have thrown the stone beyond the mark. That means he's saying that the resurrection power was beyond the mark. Every power you ever think was vested in the resurrection is beyond. The next word for power that was used is megatos, which is the word greatness. Megatos. And the word megatos actually is the word from which we have megaton, which is a unit of explosive power equivalent to one million tons of trinitrotoluene. Just one unit of atomic power was thrown to Hiroshima until today they are still feeling the effect. And the Bible says all the tons of power, of atomic power was vested in raising Jesus. Listen, inside you is an intercontinental ballistic missile. I'm telling you. Tell someone power, power, power. Tell someone power. 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 And someone tells you, I'll kill you. You just look at the person and laugh. Just laugh. Just laugh. I'll finish you. Give me three days. Tell the person, make it one. But listen, if you don't pray, don't say it. If you don't pray, just beg the person and say, Bacho, I don't know from here, why? <laughs> you die like a fowl. <laughs> so, <laughs> apart from you knowing this reality, you have to engage the reality. It's one thing for power to be in you. It's one thing to activate it. They are not the same. The Bible says, and you shall receive power after that you shall receive the Holy Ghost. Why is that everybody doesn't work in power? Because you, you, you have to work out the power. You have to work out the power. Tell somebody, work out the power. Yeah, yeah. You know Guinness, he said, work out the power that's in you, man. So there are dimensions. You have to work it out. Outworkings. Tell somebody, outworkings. So you have to bring it out. And one of the ways of bringing out power out of you is speaking in tongues. Speaking in tongues. That's why tomorrow we are praying for 12 hours. So, you see, someone says, ah, this 12-hour prayer, we are only praying for nations. It has got nothing to do with me. Actually, it has, see, prayer does not only change things, it changes you. 
So you may be praying for a nation, but in the act of you praying, you are dealing with yourself. You are bringing power. See, I came to understand something. You know, I was parked in the traffic one time, and I turned to my left, and I saw um, a DSTV package. I had to take a picture of it. Maybe let me share it with you. And I said, oh, so I now understand why many Christians are powerless. Look, look at the packages. Oh. They said they have DSTV access, 52 Ghana. DSTV family, which is 90 Ghana. DSTV compact, 160 Ghana. DSTV compact plus, 240. DSTV premium, 390. So, whichever one you want, you pay. Meanwhile, you have the satellite dish. You have the decoder in your house. The decoder is the Holy Ghost. But the package, you have to pay. So we have the Holy Ghost. We have the decoder. He is here. But if you want to explain, the more you build on that power, the payment plan you put on that power determines the kind of stations you can be able to watch. Amen? And that power, I have to re- renew it every month. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, the more you are fasting and praying, you are, you are actually growing the packages. I see you walking in premium package in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Let's continue. <laughs> Amen. The third power that was used there, exceeding greatness of his power, the word power there is dunamis, which means miracle working ability. He says, taught as who believe, according to the working, the word working there also means energy, which means energy and vitality. The fit word used for power there, which is mighty. That word mighty there is also power. That word mighty there is iskus, which means forcefulness. The next word there, power, is the word kratos, which means vigor or dominion. And the last word, check the next verse. He said, which he wrought, that word wrought also is a word for power, which is energio, which means to be mighty and efficient and to show yourself mighty in one. All this word was used, seven powerful words. So he was saying that, and what is the exceeding greatness? That word means that he says that, and what is the beyond the mark, the surpassing megaton unit of his miracle working ability, the energy, the vitality, the forcefulness, the vigor, the dominion, and mighty efficient work which is shown in Jesus Christ by raising him from the dead. Hey. So when a man is in Christ, that man is a dangerous man. He's a dangerous man, I'm telling you. Tell somebody you are dangerous. Tell someone you are dangerous. Tell someone you are dangerous. Hallelujah. What's the essence of his resurrection? What does that resurrection mean to us? You know, the reason why I'm not teaching like, Jesus rose. Let's sing. He rose. He rose again. Oh, he rose. Jesus rose. Oh, he rose. He rose. Oh, he rose. Me, I'll pass sorry. Obiasha, white, white. Jesus rose. Listen, 
we can't talk about his resurrection without talking about what that resurrection meant to us so this is not something we celebrate we are celebrating the actual content of that resurrection that is what makes it resurrection so what was the essence of Jesus rising from the dead remember I said Jesus said I am the resurrection so Jesus did not necessarily need to rise up from the dead because he himself is resurrection so if he rose he did not rise for himself he rose for who? for you what did that mean? number one the resurrection guaranteed sonship thank you Lord the resurrection guaranteed sonship Hebrews chapter 10 chapter 2 the verse 10 his resurrection guaranteed our sonship that means we became sons of God and brothers of Jesus on account of his resurrection <laughs> look the Bible says for it became of him for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing what? many sons to glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through what? suffering so he rose for the purpose of bringing more sons to God remember this is serious check it out when Jesus Christ came on the earth in his incarnation the Bible in John 1 calls him the only begotten of God John chapter 1 verse 14 check that in incarnation Jesus was the only begotten son of God that means he was the only begotten of God check and the word was made flesh and was dwelt amongst men and we beheld his glory the glory as acts of the what? only begotten that is firstborn that is only born of the father full of what? grace and truth so in incarnation Jesus was the only born but something happened when Jesus rose from the dead guess what? If you read the book of Colossians, chapter 1, check um, the verse 14. If I am right, Colossians chapter 1. Let me confirm that for you. Colossians 1. Good. Um, the verse 18. Look, he says, and he's the head of the body, the church. Who is the what? The beginning. The what? Firstborn. When Jesus Christ came in incarnation, he was what? Only born. When he rose from the dead, he became what? Firstborn. Only child, only begotten, and first begotten are not the same. Only begotten means that he is only begotten. Firstborn means what? There are others that followed. Just that he's the first. Remember, Christ is the head of the church. The church is the what? Body. If you give birth to a child, which part of the child comes first? The head. Followed by. So he didn't come out alone. The head and the body came out. So he says that in all things he might have preeminence. So Jesus is the firstborn. Listen, there is a difference between Jesus in the womb and Jesus from the tomb. The Jesus in the womb of Mary is called incarnation. The Jesus from the tomb is called resurrection. 
The Jesus from the womb was the only begotten of the father. The Jesus from the tomb was the firstborn. Meaning there were other sons that came along with him. Remember Jesus said, except the corn of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains single. But when it dies, it produces much more seeds. I'm a child of God. Because of his resurrection. Are you following this now? Look at Romans chapter 8 verse 29. It says, for those he did for know, he predestinated them to be conformed to the image of his son. That he might be the firstborn amongst what? Amongst what? Many what? Brothers! <laughs> this is serious. Now, the word firstborn there is from the Greek word prototokus. That word prototokus is from two Greek words, which is protos and tikto. The word protos means first. The word tikto means to produce. So Jesus was the first to be produced so that you follow the produce. Are you following that? So Jesus, that word prototokos also means a sample or a model. So, you know, before, um, um, let's say, Hyundai released their model of, let's say, Elantra. When they bring out that car, they bring the model and they show it to the public that this is how every other Elantra will look like. So Jesus became the sample and the model to prove that anyone that gets born again will look like him. So the resurrection of Jesus Christ guaranteed what? Sonship. If Jesus did not rise, you would never have been a son of God. Now are you my son? This day have I begotten you. Look at that verse. Acts chapter 13, the verse 32. And we declare unto you glad tidings. How that the promise which was made unto the fathers, God had fulfilled the same unto us, their children, in that he did what? Raise up Jesus again, as it is also written in the second psalm. Thou art my son, this day have I begotten you. Now, you need to understand that Jesus Christ was the son of man when he operated on earth. Though he was the son of God, he did not function as the son of God. He functioned as the son of man. That's why he had limitations. If Jesus came with the glory of his sonship as a son, nobody could even behold him. So in his incarnation, he came as the son of man. But when God raised him from the dead, he was declared the son of God. And the purpose for which Jesus was declared the son of God is so that we can also be declared what? Sons of God. Third John, first John chapter three, the verse one. Behold what man of love the father has bestowed upon us that we should be called what? The sons of God. It happened because of resurrection. And we should be called the sons of God. Romans chapter 1, the verse 3 and 4. Concerning his son Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh. So you see, according to the flesh, he was made of the seed of David. Next verse. He says, and declared to be the son of God with power. So the declaration that Jesus was the son of God with power was according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. 
it was in the power of the resurrection that we are called sons of God. Anytime you remember you're a child of God, remember it was because Jesus was raised. Shout, I'm a child of God. Shout, I'm a son of God. I'm a son of God. The DNA of the Father lives in me. Look at 1 John chapter 3, the verse 9. He says, for whosoever is born of God. So the believer is born of God. Do I not commit sin for what? His what? Seed. The word seed is the word from which we have sperm. Which we have sperm. God's seed remains in me. Tell someone I'm a, I'm a seed of God. I'm a seed of God. I'm the seed of God. Is someone learning something here? So in incarnation, Jesus Christ was the only begotten of the Father. In resurrection, Jesus Christ became what? The firstborn. Proving that there were what? Other children. In bringing many sons to glory. He might be the firstborn amongst many brothers. So now the Father has many sons and Jesus has many what? Brothers. Now, do you know what this thing means? What you know that Jesus Christ is your big brother. You know how, uh, you know one, how this rapture thing has been preached to us. Sometimes we have to be very careful. Unfortunately, when a, when an average believer, a believer who is not growing, hears rapture, he's afraid. Yesu boo. Why are you afraid? Now we need to understand this. Never saying this to justify anything wrong you are doing. But you see, the fact that you are doing wrong does not mean we should change the message we are preaching. Now, we need to understand that if your big brother tells you that he's traveling and you'll be coming back, and after five years he calls you and tells you he's coming back, does fear grip you of faith or joy? Joy! Why? Because you miss him, he's coming back. The Jesus in your heart is not coming in reality. That's joy. So why is it that when a Christian hears his big brother is coming back, he's afraid of his big brother? Who told you you are naked? Surprisingly, if you read the New Testament, the teaching of the rapture is not supposed to be used to scare believers. I was shocked when I was reading my Bible and I saw it. The teaching of rapture is supposed to comfort believers. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. You'll be shocked when you see this scripture. Let's go. Atemudan. Look, sorry, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, the verse 16 to 7, 16 to 18. Look, he says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with what? A shout! With the voice of an archangel. And with a trap of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Next verse. Then we which are alive and remain shall be what? Caught up rapture. Together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. That's rapture, right? Look at the next verse. Look, look. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. So the teaching of rapture is to bring comfort, not fear. I was shocked. He says, comfort one another with these words. There are so many things in the Bible we have gotten wrong. 
<laughs> Number two, second essence of his resurrection. I love the word of God, though. I love the word of God. Now, the resurrection is the assurance that we can enjoy complete forgiveness, freedom from sin, and eternal salvation. The resurrection is an assurance that we can enjoy complete forgiveness, freedom from sin, and eternal salvation. It's amazing to know that Jesus Christ in his resurrection gives us assurance that God would never hold our sins against us. That God forgives us. Look at Colossians chapter 2 verse 13. The Bible says, And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he what? Quickened. That's resurrection. Together with him. In the quickening process, giving you life through resurrection. Having what? Forgiving you. How many trespasses? All your trespasses. All. All trespasses. That's the assurance we have. That I am forgiven. I am forgiven. Tell someone I'm forgiven. Tell someone I'm forgiven. Hallelujah. First Corinthians chapter 15 verse 57. Sorry, 15, 17. 15, 17. He says, and if Christ be not raised from the dead, your faith is vain and ye are yet in your sins. So if Christ is raised from the dead, that means what? We are no longer in our sins. So when a man believes in Jesus, it means he is no more in his sins. You know what that means? That means when a man is in Christ, he can never ever be called a sinner. Man of God, man of God, we are all sinners. Oh, it is you. Because my Bible didn't teach me that I'm a sinner. I was once a sinner. I am now no more a sinner. I am righteous. Because Jesus died with my sins, he rose without them. And if I rose with them, I rose without my sin. Therefore, I am not a sinner anymore. Tell someone I'm righteous. Because Jesus rose from the dead. Hallelujah. Now, look at Hebrews chapter um, 9, the verse 12. He says, neither by the blood of goats and calves but by his own blood when he rose from the dead he entered in once into the holy place having obtained eternal redemption for who for us listen jesus died shedding his blood he rose to take his blood to the holy of holies sprinkled it there for our eternal redemption god has sealed your eternal redemption hallelujah Look at Hebrews chapter 5, verse 9. Hebrews 5, 9. He says, And being made perfect, he became the author, the author, the originator of eternal salvation unto all them that what? Obey him. The word obey him, that means believe him. His resurrection is a guarantee of my eternal security with God. 
Tell somebody, I'm not only saved in Christ. I am safe in Christ. Look at John chapter 10, verse 28. In case any time the devil starts whipping you, telling you that, hey, you are, you are going to hell. Probably because there's something you did wrong and, and the devil is whipping you. Look, the Bible says, Jesus said, I give them what? Eternal life and they shall what? Never perish. Never perish. Neither shall any man do what? Pluck them out of my hand. Look at the next verse. He said, my father which gave me is greater than they all and no man is able to what? Pluck them out of what? My father's hand. Whose hand is first? The father's hand. So you are here, right? No one can pluck you. Look at the next verse. He says, I and my father are father's hand, son's hand, one. This is how secure you are. You must be very smart to come out. And you see, you know, normally people will say, no, man of God, you're not supposed to be saying this thing. When you tell the people that they are eternally secure, that means they will feel like doing something wrong. Listen, we, there are people who always take advantage of everything. Eh? If I preach hell, those who have decided to sin will still go and sin anyway. He said, man of God, you mean, tell me why I'm not. You have more appointment. Why? So people who decide to sin and not repent, they will always sin and not repent. But the fact that people will not listen to the word of God does not mean we should not preach the word of God, which is the truth. When a man is in Christ Jesus, he's secured. When you were in Adam, do you know no amount of good could save you? Have you ever thought of it? When you were in Adam, no matter the good you did, you were still in Adam. It took Jesus to bring you out. Now that you are in Christ, what makes you think that Christ is so weak that one sin you commit will make you come out of Christ? I get what I'm saying. Now, we need to understand that there are consequences for making wrong choices, living sinful lives. But you see, we need to also understand that the truth of the gospel must always stand. The blood of Jesus is worth it more than the blood of Abel. When the blood of Jesus saves, it does not condemn. His resurrection guaranteed that I am forgiven. I have eternal security in Christ. And I'm free from sin. Look at Hebrews chapter 10. The verse 60. Look at what happened. When Jesus Christ died and rose, there was a new covenant. Many don't know that we are in a new covenant. Many are still living with old covenant mentality. The Moses mentality. We are no longer in the old covenant. He says, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, said the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and their minds. Will I write them? Next verse. He says, and they are what? Let's read together loudly. One, two, go. In the Old Testament, you know what God said? He says, I remember your iniquities unto your third and fourth generation. That means your generation will suffer for your iniquities. But what does God say in the New Testament? One, two, let's read again. Go! Now, do you know that no more actually is a very strong, serious Greek word? Very, 
is so deep. If I explain that word no more, do you be shocked? That word no more, do you want to know? That word no more, eh? it means no more. You have seen no more, you want Greek. And you see, now, now, you see, sometimes religious people don't want to say this. He says, no, you, you can't say this. Oh, you can't say this. Uh, uh, who said it? Is it in scripture? Why can't we say it? This is New Testament God is giving to us. That I will remember the iniquities and sins no more. No more. Someone says, when we all get to heaven, there will be a big TV screen there. And they'll call your name. Dinah! Stand here, stand here. It's like Jesus is not laughing. That day is not like your brother. You know, huh? I said, Jesus, but you're good after you. I ain't shamming. You know, huh? <laughs> what's your answer? So, what's your answer? I'm not for say, I think good at them, but you know, you know, Jesus in the show on the 27th of May. When will they are here? Boom. Oh, now our boyfriend's 25. Oh, she John. John, I call her. She Abby. Abby, I don't know. She, Oji credit wa ha. No, Oji TV wa ha. Oji TV wa ha. No, Oji Tiko wa ha. She, what would you know? Then they are showing you all the things on the TV screen like that. They are watching. Then it's like, ah. Then all the other hosts of heaven, they are, they are watching you. Then Prophet Ima, Pastor Skaba, then they are, they are all standing, they are watching you like this. And they have all bowed down their head. Not because they're disappointed, but they are wondering how the earth is going to be. <laughs> Everybody is standing there. Hey, hey, Jesus. It's not for the person being charged, And they show you all the things in the screen. Then Jesus will look at you. So I show you. Into what I'll shout back on him. Who they choose to knock up? Why? Choose to knock up. That's how people think it's going to be. There's no TV. There's no Samsung TV screen in heaven. You know why? Because on the cross, Jesus destroyed the tape. His blood destroyed the tape. You know something? One man of God, together with his um, wife, it's called Charles and Francis Hunter. They had an encounter. They went to heaven. They saw um, one angel took them to a room of record. Do you know that everything you do on this earth, there are records there? Every act that you do to serve God, there are records there. And they, when he went to the room, full of archives, they know where everybody's name is. And he says, go and bring one of the files. Then he went and chose one of the files. Surprisingly, it was Abraham's file. When they opened it, they saw different things Abraham did that was not even recorded in the Bible. Abraham fed some animals. Even feeding of animals was recorded. Look at how you are treating your dog. Okrama or Fonse, why is it? Teddy, Teddy, Brazil. Heaven is waiting for you. And 
He checked on the greetings Abraham did. He checked. Ah! At the point he came back again, he was checking for something else. He didn't find what he wanted to find. And he asked the angel that, ah, where is the other book about Abraham? He said, which other book? There's no other book. He said, ah, the other book where Abraham lied. And the angel smiled. He says, over here, we don't record the sins of the brethren. I was shocked. Over here, we don't record the sins of the brethren. You know why? Because his blood washed them all away. You see, you must rejoice in the Lord. You must rejoice in the Lord for what Jesus has done in his work for you. And guess what? That message, this one I'm just telling, the angel told him to go back and go and tell people that this is the greatest message any pastor can preach to his congregation. When a man preaches this, heaven begins to rejoice. You know why? Because Jesus is taking all the fans. Jesus is taking all the fans. He's taking all the glory. He's taking all the praise that he did this. He did this. God is excited that they are talking about my son. They are saying what my son did for them. Listen. We all have faults. That's why we are growing. There are some of you, there's one area you are perfect in, another area you're not perfect there. When it comes to lying, you don't lie. You don't lie. You are a truthful person. Don't think by you being a truthful person, you are, you are holy when it comes to expression. Because that same person who is truthful in this area is very quick-tempered. That's like, when we get to understand this, we know that nobody will ever feel proud you have to be very careful when you're condemning other people because when you're pointing to others the rest of the four comes back to you so the bible tells us to deal with other brethren with humility because we also can fall hallelujah so what do we do that's the reason why i pray for every member every single time God, help them. Help them. There are some of them, they don't, it's like, my God, I don't have any option. God, help them. It will take the, the spirit of God to help them. To help them. I remember campus, there was one lady, very wonderful, amazing lady. She came to confide in me, the man of God, I've been sleeping with men for a living. I don't like it, but I'm doing it. It's man of God, I'm having family. I'm the breadwinner of the family. And sometimes when a man is on top of me, I cry. But that's the only option I have. So pray for me. And she wept. I couldn't sit there. I said, Lord, help her. Help her. People need help. I'm telling you. I need help. That's why we pray for 12 hours. Praying for the world. Lord, touch people's lives. There are people who only take the hand of God. The hand of God to bring them out of something that they are in. It will take the hand of God. 
Oh, you came from a good home. Yes. So when you were messing up, your parents rebuked you and today you have grown, become a nice girl, nice boy. Some did not have that privilege. Nobody paid their school fees. They had to struggle from the beginning. So they learned how to meet with men for money. You can't condemn such a person. You have to pray for that person. Thank God you had a good home. So the cross brings all of us to equal grounds because we are all saved by grace through faith in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Say thank you, Jesus. Say thank you for your blood. Thank you for your resurrection. I'm born again. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Number three, the resurrection is the receipt of our justification. The resurrection is the receipt of our justification. Romans chapter 4, the verse 25. Now look at that. He says, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Give that to me in amplified version. Watch that. He says, who was betrayed and put to death because of our misdeeds and was raised to secure our justification, our acquittance, making our account balance and absolving us from all guilt before God. See, he says, making our account what? Balance. God, see, you know, uh, uh, those who do accounting, what's the name of that word? Balance sheet. If, if you're a banker and your sheet does not balance, you're in trouble. That means you stole money. And the Bible says, making an account with God, what? Balance. Absorbing us from all what guilt. We are acquitted. Give that to me, message translation. He says, the sacrifice Jesus made us fit for God. Set us right with God. Give me NLT version. He says he was handed over to die because of our sins and he was raised to life to make us right with God. So listen, until Jesus makes a man right, he can't be right. It is never your good deeds that ever justifies you before God. Look at Romans 3.20. The Bible says, therefore by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. Galatians 2.16 the Bible says, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law. There are many Christians who feel more confident when they think they have done good. You, you, you dare not have confidence because of how good you lived in a week. Because that goodness cannot be sustained. That is why we have a permanent work done by a man. And our faith in it is the guarantee of our rightness with God. He says, but even by faith of Jesus, it is only on account of faith that a man is declared a righteous man before God. Even when we believe in Jesus, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Philippians 3, 9. He says, and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through faith of Christ, the righteousness of God, which is by faith. Romans 3 21 he says but now a righteousness of God apart from the law is manifested being witnessed by the Lord the prophets then he goes on to say even the righteousness of God which is by faith 
of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that word believe for there is no difference now look he says for all have sinned this scripture is not to lead prayers beloved the bible said all have sinned and first saw the glory of God this one is a statement it's a doctrinal statement he says for all have sinned and come short of what the glory of God what happened when the bible says all are sin he's not he's not speaking about the the the, the uh, meat you stole from the soup he's not speaking about the lies he's not, he's not talking about what you did by sinning no if the bible says all have sin is actually referring to the sin of adam that made you all sinners how do i know romans chapter 5 the verse 12 the bible says wherefore as by one man's sin it says for us by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin and so death passed upon all men for that what all have sinned so by the sin of one man all have sinned so in Romans 3 the verse 23 which says for all have sinned what sin is that Adam's sin which made you automatically a sinner meaning we are sinners not by fault we are sinners by default there's a difference between sin and sins. Sin is the, is the producing factory. It is the nature. It is the principle that works in us. The engine room. And then the effect is what we call sins. If people are drinking alcohol, beer, and you want to end alcoholism in Ghana, and you go to everybody's house and you break every beer, beer bottle, have you done something? Why? Because the producing factory is still alive so if you want to destroy alcoholism you have to destroy the factory you can leave the rest of the beer it will finish the problem God had was that man was a sinner and he sinned so the challenge was that if I'm able to change man from a sinner to a righteous man I can be able to affect his actions by making it right so on the cross Jesus did not only carry our sins he became sin so that he would terminate the nature of sin in you that you can become righteous and produce the nature of righteousness I'm teaching well here so he says for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God is there a full stop what is there someone said what comma it's not comma it's semicolon next verse be justified what let's read that together one two loudly go For all have sinned, fall short of the glory of God. Semicolon, meaning he has not finished. Those people who sin and fell short of the glory of God are now justified freely. Freely by his what? Grace. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Shall I am justified? Freely. I'm justified. Freely. Romans 5.1, check that. Romans 5.1, he says, therefore, being what? You are not reading it. Anybody who is not reading it, you are not listening to me. One, two, let's read it together. Do you see, he first says we are justified by what? Faith. Then he says we have peace with God through who? Do you see that he's always using through a lot to let you know that Christ is the instrumentality by which it came about so your peace with God was not because you live a peaceful life your peace with God is because of Jesus Christ and what he did I was just beginning my message but I have to close 
I always don't finish my message. That's my problem. Pray for me. Hallelujah. If I don't close this thing, we'll continue. Yesterday, in, I taught for three hours non-stop. Non-stop. Three hours in the Bible school. Everybody didn't want to go home again. One day, just let's do six hours teaching. We'll teach and teach and teach and let you understand this thing. Because people are not preaching the gospel anymore. Tomorrow is prayer. So you see, this issue of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ is not supposed to be a cliche or a story that we just know about a man. You see, the reason why we are not experiencing power in Christianity is because the revelation of the cross is not acting in our current life. It is not present. We know it as a theory. We know it as an event that happened to a man. But God is saying the message of the cross must be a centrality in our heart. If Jesus forgive me, I forgive my brother. That is when the cross is working in you. Are you following this thing? So, if Christ died, I died with him. How did I die? I died to sin. I rose without my sin. Meaning sin no longer has dominion over my life. That's how we must re read the cross. The cross is supposed to become a part of our life. If I have resurrection power, I have power over sin, power over death, power over the devil. It should control every aspect of your life. When temptation is beginning to crawl, all kinds of temptation, you start, you start remembering, I died to sin. I died to sin. I died to sin. I died to sin. So I've, I'm dead to sin's power over my life. I'm, I died to sin. I rose in power. The greatest power that raised Jesus lives in me. That's how you think. The greatest power lives in me. Lift your hands. Say, the greatest power lives in me. The greatest power lives in me. The wife of one great man of God had cancer. And when that happened, for 10 days, she stayed in the room alone. Every scripture relevant for dealing with sickness, he was wounded, resurrection, all that. She started confessing, started meditating. Guess what? After 10 days, they went for the examination again. Cancer was gone. Listen, this thing is real, you may be thinking it's just an ordinary teaching. Right now you can try. If there's something in your life that is not corresponding to God's word, if it's a sickness, whatever it is, say, Father, your servant is telling me that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead and that all of God's power was vested in raising Jesus. And now by the power of the Holy Ghost, that power also dwells in me. Father, I can't stay like this. You see, Something is not happening to you. Now that reality is not the reality in the book. Now that reality is not happening to you. Lord, terminate that disease. Lord, terminate that addiction that has been with me for 15 years. Lord, terminate it. The greatest power lives in me. Masturbation will never control my life again. That's what happens to you now. Now the resurrection power now begins to find expression through your life. Lift your voice. Just begin to pray for the next five minutes. Come on, just pray now.
Shkobai, Kobai, Lo Sabai, Lo Pretostovash, Yeno Sofalai, Romba Satakai, Yebason Tai, Robocopai, Taito Tai, Manta Taitole, Rababashoka Patatai, Manta Bella, Rababashata Bella, Yemai, Rampa Patai, Remba Papa Satapako, Rababasatai. Come on, keep praying. As you are praying in tongues, you are outworking the reality of the resurrection in your life. Come on, lift your voice and pray now. Robo shoto kopalai, lamboko vrato sefe teke tuava zazakeke. Heyeto zezezakoko brata sakunde betai morobo po po shataka. Come on, keep praying. Don't watch any man. This is between you and God. This is your personal relationship with God. Come on, pray. Edify yourself now. Rema shata panose. Come on, lift your voice and pray. Sanda, sese kolabrate seveko, yebo sofalabashe, yeko sevela kombra batai, yeso takai, rambala shatakapai, yeso pai keto sevele kombra, ye plato sapla kombra batasa, yambrato zapalato bratatibe, arieto satabai, ye papai, ye palo braso sepaladai. Mando la vraba bashata kabaladai, ye malale, rambola bosha praba bakombra de siatatai, mantato, leproto safalatu, zezezeki, kabela, jotoko praba tasota, ye mpolopopoi, lompolopopoi, sasakalabrato safalai, remamoshoko praba kapariaze, mantala babari, come on, keep praying, keep praying, zopalakombra to sofakolabati. Morabashonto Yesota Kapala dosa pranda soso. Come on, keep praying now. Sata Kapala dodo sata bakopra sata. Mosha palada so sevele, robo sonda maya shote peledai. Iengo go 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 balo sasa palai. Iengo sasafaladai shotom maladai. Raba bakom raba basanta baria. Ria papale manto bea soto kubraba supatalaze. Heyeka raba mashaka palada so plapa kapaliasa. Ashie paton nabapata talabai Riepeto sapalatai Yeshota pakam prabasote kepalai Yempatata Rapapakoba shatapalado In the name of the Lord Jesus